every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. It's time for What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows. On the Zone Sports Network, DJ and PK, of course, uh, 6 to 10, Hanson Scotty from 10 to 2. And usually we cover a variety of different topics, and today is no different. Gordon, you ready to uh, begin? I am. Let's start uh, with DJ and PK. Uh, and they had uh, Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews on to talk BYU and Utah football. You've got the Utes and the Cougar previews out. It looks like you got the Utes at 27th, BYU at 39. And uh, we'll get to the Utes here in just a second. You write some interesting stuff and recap what you've thought of them over the last two years. Uh, but let's start with the Cougars. Kind of hard to figure out playing as an independent, this uh, mix of Power 5 and non-AQ schools. But you have them down as basically a middle-of-the-pack Power 5 team. How did you come up with that? Yeah, exactly. So this year um, I added BYU to my Power 5 preview book. I mean, they have, certainly have the history for it. Uh, their schedule is kind of a mix, of, like you said, between Power 5 and non-AQ. Uh, and, hey, you guys, BYU has a passionate enough fan base to deserve a spot. So I added them to the book. Uh, it was fascinating, you know, really digging in. I always had a passing knowledge of BYU, but really digging into their history all the way back to Lavelle Edwards and, and the, you know, the quarterback factory and all that. Uh, but specifically for the last couple of years, uh, I, I applied my game grader formula. You know, that's a, a, a deep formula I created. It's a lot of uh, you know, scoring differential, yardage differential, uh, per play metrics, explosiveness. Um, you know, it goes deeper than nor- the normal box score. And long story short, uh, BOU grades out middle of the pack, power five. Last year they were 39th out of 66. Um, and in terms of the Pac-12, that would be right around sixth out of 12 last year. So, um, and it, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it. What, what they produced on the field, they're um, above average against the non-AQ teams, and a little bit below average against the Power Five. They're uh, 17 and 27 against the Power Five since going independent. So, um, so yeah, they were 39th last year, and uh, looking for another actually bump this year. So, from your perspective, what do you like about the Cougars? Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, coming into last year, I thought that would be the, the jump offensively. You know, you returned Zach Wilson, uh, re- returned a lot of production offensively. I thought that would be the jump. They did improve in 13 of 14 of our metrics, um, but really it wasn't the program-changing offense we thought we'd see. So I think this year you might see that 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 game cha- that program-changing offense. Um, third year with Zach Wilson. But really what I'm most impressed about is that offensive line. Um, and and that's coming off of a very injury you know injury riddled season. There, it still ended up being one of the best units, having to go through 16 different line combos. Um, you know, all that all that said, it's all back and healthy, and uh, should be a veteran and strong unit. So I think um, you know with a strong run push, uh, Brady Christensen's a star at left tackle. You have him back. Um, you know, a, a trio of running backs with experience, Matt Bushman back. There's a lot of pieces to like, and I think the offense will be carrying BYU this year. 
I like how you have Utah second behind SC. I think most folks look at SC as the number one team in the South. And you have the Utes second. The thing that I find interesting is you respect them to the point where you've got them second, which is pretty good given the fact of all the losses they have. But you've only got, on your first team offensive defense, you only got one Ute, and that's Keithy at tight end, who really had a breakout season, and I'm excited to see what he can do with Ludwig in his second year under Andy, because Andy sure put him in position to succeed at a high level this past season. So even though you've only got one out of uh, your first two uh, first team offense, first team defense Ute, why are you giving them as much respect as you're giving them? Yeah, well, I think it starts with coaching. Uh, now, this, you might be tired of hearing this, but this is definitely an unprecedented offseason, uh, cutting out the 15 spring practices, all the summer camps and workouts. Uh, now it's even looking like a, a shortened fall season. So uh, what usually goes into my, my prediction logic is obviously my advanced stats, but then also a ton of film study, uh, calls with coaches, calls with coordinators, spring games. And that last bit, spring games, has been cut out, obviously. So without that tool, I've had to rely a little bit more on coach continuity and, and staff continuity and scheme continuity because there is some truth to that rolling over year over year. Uh, and who better than Utah's defense at that? Um, they're actually number one in my player development metric, which looks at the raw recruiting rankings compared to what they produce to the pros. Uh, it's amazing. Just a decade ago, we're talking about a Mountain West program, and now they're leading the conference in draft picks. Yeah, that's Utah. So, um, yeah, it'll be an extremely young offense. All right, sorry, an extremely young defense. Uh, this is a unit that definitely would have loved the spring ball. Uh, but enough of a proven track record with, with, with Morgan Scally and their entire staff defensively that I think they'll produce a, a competent defense. Now, offensively, you touched on the two guys that made the first two teams. There's also three more youths on my third team, Pac-12. So you have over half the offense there uh, accounted for on the all-conference teams. Uh, it's, it's star power um, at, at the receiver core and tight end, which I never thought would be true with Utah. Uh, you know, even three or four or five years ago, that was a, a roster hole at receiver. So a lot of playmakers now, they can go three or four deep there. Um, and I think that they're poised to – to weather the storm of a transition, uh, you know, from Huntley and Moss, better than they used to be with uh, now with Andy Ludwig again. Um, I run these ten-year coordinator grades on offense and defense, and looking statistically at his impact at Utah last year, and also his impact from leaving Vanderbilt is also as fascinating. They he had them pretty solid, and they tanked without him. So you can learn a lot from the coach where he's at and where he left. And uh, Andy Ludwig was one of the best coordinator hires of the year last year. All right, there you go. A little preview for uh, for both BYU and Utah, Gordon. Uh, let's start with your thoughts on BYU. What did you think uh, about what he had to say about the Cougs? Uh, he was uh, optimistic, uh, especially praising that offense, thinking uh, that that would carry BYU this year. And uh, I, I don't, I yeah, I mean, I guess that would be where you would look at with Bushman, especially at tight end. And if uh, Zach Wilson can be what people thought he might be, then and their running uh, back situation is pretty loaded up, so yeah, I guess I would agree with him in that regard. It's interesting that he, on the Utah side, that he, we talked about this yesterday. Remember the whole idea of giving credit for a coaching staff and the stability there, even you lose your entire defense, right. and yet uh, folks still think highly of Utah's football chances. 
if they play in the fall, and that's a compliment to what Kyle Whittingham has been able to establish there. Real quick, my thoughts on BYU before we, we move uh, uh, on to Utah. I, I thought what stood out to me about what he had to say right there, is, which is right on the money, uh, the biggest – Zach Wilson uh, has the potential to break out. There's no doubt they have a couple other players at quarterback, and, and you heard what he had to say about Bushman and the running backs. But when was the last time – BYU truly had a dominant offensive line, Gordon, because it used to be a staple back in the Coug heyday where you could Mm -hmm. count on them having just uh, one of the biggest, best offensive lines in the country. And I don't know when that changed. I don't know if it it was during the Bronco era, I would say. maybe It's been a while, Jake. It's it's been a while. It's been a long time. So if if BYU can get back to having that big, dominant offensive line, I mean, you've talked about this a lot, uh, Gordon. That makes everybody's job easier. But I I think that that – I think that is the biggest reason for optimism with the BYU's uh, with BYU's offense right now. Yeah, I agree with you agreeing with me because back in the day when BYU had its quote-unquote, as Lavelle used to call them, the glory years, that offensive line was rock solid. And uh, I, I do believe it's, it's hard to really prioritize, but I think the offensive line, second to the quarterback, the offensive line is the most important unit for a team to – have in place. Ask those Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl teams. Yeah. Back then, that was the best offensive line maybe in the history of the game. And uh, they won championships because of it. Now, I might be wrong on that, but it was awfully good. Well, Troy Eggman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin were also good. And Jay Novacek, let's not forget about him. But I think your point uh, – uh, I, I think your point's right on the money. So, How do you think Emmett Smith picked up all those yeah, yards? Right. Those biggins up there opening holes for him. So, Man, those anyway, were some great teams. As much as I dislike the Cowboys, God, they were good. I love, I love uh, an offensive line, a group that is season-savvy. And when they walk up to that line of s- scrimmage, you know they're going to get their business done. And not only they know it, but their opponent knows it too. And everybody on that offense knows it, especially the quarterback, and can rely on that in order to, to make everything go the way it should. It's huge. Now, uh, going to his thoughts on Utah, I don't know if I'm as high on the Utes as he is. And, hey, his his job is to do you know college football previews, so I, you know listen to the man. But he mentioned the wide receivers. I think Keithy is is He's awesome. Great. Is yeah. awesome, and there's no doubt about it. He's he had a breakout year. But he was talking about the receivers, and Gordon. I feel like it's Groundhog Day, but I'm still not sold that they have a lot of star power receivers. Yeah, I keep hearing talk that they're loaded up there, but. Uh... Where if you had to, if you had to get the ball to somebody other than Keithy, who are you looking at? Exactly what I was just asking myself. And you, you look at some of the receptions from last year and the targets. You know, you, you think Samson Akua could be a nice player, but he had 18 receptions last year. I don't know if he's a number one. He did have four touchdowns, which is uh, which is a nice number. Um, you know, Vickers at moments, uh, Jalen Dixon, uh, you know, sometimes Brian Thompson, everybody talks about with a lot of potential. But, I mean, Brian Thompson had 18 receptions, uh, Jalen Dixon 24, Vickers 19. I've been waiting for Solomon Enos to be that guy. Remember how uh, touted he was coming in? He had 14 a, receptions last year. There's so. a little guy who's pretty good. Well, Britton Covey, of course. But I, I'm thinking a number one threat. A number one guy. What they had with Darren Carrington. And Britton Covey, it, it's almost like you should call his position different. You know, that slot guy and his role is yeah. different because he's not a a traditional WR1, you know? 
I don't know if you can consider him that. I, I'm not trying to diminish his value, but he's he's not what I think of when I think of star receiver. I think it's Keithy. I mean, it for sure he, is. He, but, he doesn't play that position, but uh, he will get all kinds of attention. But but uh, uh, this uh, Brett was talking about how there was star power with receiver. Right. Now right. now hey maybe Jake Bentley comes in and he's a dealer. You know maybe he can he can uh, really improve the production from the wide receivers because he can really throw it. We we're we're not really sure what we've got there. Or, or maybe the uh, the young guy Cam Rising. Maybe he comes in and he's a dealer. I'm I'm not sure that that certainly helps receivers play better when the when the quarterback's uh, playing well. But uh, but that remains to be seen. Other than that, I think the Utah offense will will do all right. Um, of course, the quarterback question, the defense they're replacing the a ton running of, game. Ton of by talent. the way, the running game uh, replacing Zach Moss, they got a couple of talented kids back there that I think are gonna are gonna work out just fine. But my question, weirdly enough, is with the defense, and obviously that's Utah's built his program on good defense, and. Uh, but before we get to that, I also wanted to comment on what he said about Andy Ludwig. I thought that that was high praise for Andy. That was high praise. Yeah. You know, I didn't pay a ton of attention to uh, Vanderbilt football last year. Did they really? I, did they go into the tank without yeah, Coach Lud? Yeah, they they struggled. But I don't know if that was because you know was right. it coaching right. or was it talent? And sometimes when a guy leaves a program, it may. Tell you, indicate to you a little bit about something not being completely right. That's not always true, but anyway, uh, that defense. So, how do they fill all that, all those holes, Jake? I know they did get some of the other guys did get some playing time. They got some experience, but they lost so many good players. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so That's I don't. I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe maybe uh, guys can step up. All right, Gordon. Well, let's. Let's transition to a different topic still kind of uh, involving Utah because Jason Shelley, uh, we found out earlier this week, is headed up to Utah State where he will battle with Henry Columbi for that starting job. Here's Hanson Scotty breaking that down. This is what I like about Henry Columbia, and I've been a huge fan of his. In fact, there were some, and I remember I told you this, and I mentioned this on the air a couple years ago and caught a little bit of heat for it. And obviously, it turned out to be a non-story because Jordan Love went on to have a really good career. But at the start of camp in 2018, before Jordan Love and 2018 ended up being a tremendous year for Jordan Love, record-setting year. This was his year that made him all of his money. And But starting camp, remember, Jordan Love didn't play great down the stretch of that 2017 season. Didn't play well in the bowl game after they gave him the job halfway through the year. And Jordan Love and Utah State, that's the year they brought in Henry Columbia. Columbia came in and immediately challenged Jordan Love uh, in that offseason. Uh, eventually, they hand the reins on over to Love. They use the red, and, and then Henry Columbia uh, is used a little bit in spot duty here and there. Uh, but Jordan Love blows up. And I think Henry Columbia had a lot of suitors out there that probably were in his ear trying to get him to transfer. And I think that Jordan Love probably mentioned to him, said, look, I'm leaving after my junior year. Stick around, and you're going to have two years as the guy. And so Henry Columbia waits, doesn't transfer. He doesn't have a right shirt year any, anymore. So he's, he's kind of stuck now. And I think Henry Columbia's got every opportunity and every skill set to be successful as the starting quarterback at Utah State. Uh, I'm a fan of his. Uh, I've seen the work that he's put in. 
What's his build? Um, a little over six, um, 190, 200 pounds. Let me get his official. Uh, but he, he he fits the mode, and I think he's got a great arm on him. Uh, can really throw the football. He's not a guy that's going to be asked a lot to do to do a lot with his with his feet, although he can do that to a certain extent. Six two two oh five, and I think he's got all the skill set, all the coaching to be really successful as the starting quarterback at Utah State. Uh, now, with that said, Jason Shelley can come in and really challenge him. They don't have a lot of depth after Henry Columbia. Okay, well, I think before we even move into that, what do you know of this offensive coordinator? Like, what does he want to get from – what's his typical look? Or, yeah, like, what is he – what's his MO or his identity? Uh, well, it, do we know? You look at what he did at North Texas a couple of years ago, and and a, and a quarterback who can run is going to be more of the part of the offense, at least based on what they did two years ago. Now you always kind of tailor your offense based on the strength of your talent. And had Henry Columbia been the guy, I don't think they would have used the running game a lot with Henry as a, as the primary guy. Now Henry can do it. Uh, and I think he's he can he can have that aspect of his game. He's a much better, much more mobile quarterback than Jordan Love was. Um, but I don't think that's his strong suit. Now you bring in a guy like Jason Shelley, and that is his strong suit. That is something he can do. Um, and the what it boils down to is what Gary Anderson wants the offense to look like, because Gary Anderson's going to have a big big say. He's he let Mike Sanford. And Jordan Love essentially run the offense that they wanted to run last year. This year, he's going to have his hands on the offense a little bit more. Okay. So if Gary Anderson wants a running quarterback, then Jason Shelley is probably going to be the guy. If this if this offense coordinator that you're talking about, if, if he has any designs on using a quarterback in the run game, Jason Shelley is going to have a leg up on on Columbia to what I what I would believe. I, now I just, but I don't know because it, I have an image of Columbia getting off the edge a couple of times. Yeah, Columbia can run. I mean, don't get me wrong. Henry Columbia, I think his first touchdown was on like a forty yard run. Like he can get out there and run. There's no doubt about it. But look, I'm I'm. I'm also of the belief that I want my quarterback to be in the pocket, analyze the defense, and be able to throw the football down the field. I want a guy who's going to complete 60% of his passes. I want a guy who can throw a 15-yard out. I want a guy who can see the route progression and uh, check down when needed or find a, you know, you know, find that pass over the middle. I, I, that's what I think Henry Columbia's strength is, and I think that's where he could be a really good quarterback. All right, uh, Gordon, I thought Scotty was really high on Columbia, and I thought that was really insightful. But give me your take on Jason on Jason Shelley as a quarterback. I think he's good. I, I, I think he's good. I think he could fit in really nicely there at Utah State. Now, I don't know exactly what that offense is going to look like with the new coordinator and whatnot. I, but I, Columbia, I mean, you heard, uh, you heard uh, the guys talking about how a quarterback at Utah State needs to be able to throw the ball down the field and, and make smart decisions and complete uh, uh, efficient passes. Well, Columbia has completed 77% of his passes. Pretty good. In, in his two years uh, in, in mop-up roles. I mean, he's also run for like over 100 yards. What is it? 129 yards. Averaging 5.1 yards a carry. Now, he is a, a pro-style quarterback, but that guy has some potential. So this is an interesting quarterback 
situation, I think, because I'm high on on both of them. I, I'm glad you – well, I'm not glad. I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, I agree with you on, on Shelley. I know that he wasn't perfect necessarily at Utah, and there were some tuss, tough losses in there, but there were some big comeback clutch wins too. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking specifically about BYU, of course, and uh, Oregon uh, two seasons ago as well, where he had to beat them on the on a fourth-quarter drive, which was, was really impressive. So he has some – some really big time experience, but I'll tell you what I'm. I'm becoming more and more convinced, Gordon, that if I were um, making a decision on quarterbacks, I'd pick the quarterback who was the more accurate passer, and then if that quarterback could also run, then that's that's just uh, gravy. But I, I'm I, I think coaches a lot of times get so um, caught up in the in the running ability that the the passing ability, what they're really there to do, sometimes gets a little neglected. Well, if you play in 13 games in bits and pieces and you complete 53 of 59 passes, does that count as accurate? Yeah, right, right. So I think Columbia has a has a good shot. If he can sit back there and sling it, I mean, that's the direction I'd go. But I, I don't know. I, I'm with you on this new offensive coordinator, Gordon. We just don't know, you know what the priorities are going to be there. And running quarterbacks can can be effective. I think that's why a lot of college football programs go with them is because that can be a dynamic part of your offense. But, I mean, just just look at what some of the quarterbacks, you know, the truly successful quarterbacks in college football uh, are doing passing the ball. I mean, look at uh, look at no further what happened at LSU last year or, or uh, with Joe Burrow or look at Tua or look at even Jalen Hurts and, and the Oklahoma quarterbacks down there, Gordon. I mean, they are just slinging the ball all over the field. And those are the programs that are that are really, really successful right now. So, uh, Or even what's going on at, at, at Clemson with multiple quarterbacks now. So if Columbia can can stand back there and deal, that's the direction I'd go. But but we've seen Jason Shelley make throws. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I'm with you. I think both of them are good. And so that makes it that much more compelling. And I don't know how that's going to turn out. To tell you the truth, who so. would you, uh, if you were, if you were just guessing, who, where would you set the odds in favor right now? I probably would go to Columbia, but but there's a reason that Jason Shelley went to Utah State. Usually, guys don't show up yep. like unless they have a good reason for being there. Good point, no doubt. All right, we'll get to more big show coming up next. Don't forget, not sports report at four fifty. Top of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk to Bowler. But joining the show right now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our good friend Andrew Reinhardt. Andrew, doing that good work, helping out our listeners. We are. We're helping a lot of guys with the one thing that they don't often want to talk about, that is erectile dysfunction. Now, what's interesting is we know that ED now is caused by damaged, aging, or blocked blood vessels. Our treatments clinically shown, and I should emphasize that, Multiple clinical studies have shown that this opens up and regrows those very blood vessels. Um, you know, these blood vessels in this part of the body are so small to start off with in the best of circumstances that anything can trigger the blockage of those. And everybody from Cambridge to therapeutic advances in urology, even the American Urological Association has written now. Uh, the most recent study of 600 guys with ED going through these treatments and seeing noticeable increases in blood flow. So the bottom line is we can restore normal function. We can eliminate erectile dysfunction. We can do it affordably. We can do it quickly. And my favorite part, there has never been a reported side effect. 
So, I mean, that's that's got to be a, a big deal to have all that science you're talking about, Andrew, because I, I'm sure you get it all the time. Andrew, this sounds too good to be true. I'm sure it's great to be able to point to the science and go, no, check it out. Yeah, and there's extensive studies that have been done. The science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com has some of them. There's so many now that, that even that's probably outdated a little bit. Um, but most of the big journals have tested this. Most of the big urology clinics have tested it. And I'll tell you, neovascularization, the regrowth of blood vessels, it's used on the bottom of the foot. It's used on legs for neuropathy. It's used on joint pain, and it's now used on this part of the body. So it makes a lot of sense. ED is a blood flow issue. 801-901-8000 is the number to call, 801-901-8000. And you're taking all the risk out of this for our listeners. We are. We're doing the free exam, free consultation still. That will allow you to come in, no charge, no obligation, and ask all your questions. There's there's nothing we haven't seen, I'll tell you that. Um, you'll get a blood flow test. That's free. And for those that call now, we're doing a little extra. It's a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. You're going to love it just for coming in and meeting with the doctor. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. More Big Show straight ahead. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, nine, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It's a Total Request Tuesday. We're doing uh, camping songs at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton. I'm not yet ready yet to uh, admit defeat on this one. No? You're not there yet? No. It's only 4.30. All right. So uh, keep those requests coming in. Camping songs. <laughs> All right. This one goes out to nobody. (laughs) This one goes out to Austin. I still haven't heard Hobo's Lullaby. That's the one I want to hear. It doesn't exist. It does exist. I'm going to send you you a a video. All right. Uh, Gordon, we've been talking a lot of college football today. Bowler, we'll talk more NBA with Bowler coming up. He'll join the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But Lincoln Riley, head coach at Oklahoma, had some interesting statements. I want to get your reaction to. All right. Uh, He said this. I can't imagine a scenario where we don't play, whether it's something we do in the fall, whether it's a shortened season, whether it's spring, there's nothing we should take off the table. Regardless of what we have to do, I don't think there's anything we can't work around and we can't adjust and can't make work in order to play college football. We've all got to do our part on that. Well, okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Everyone wear their masks. Everyone uh, do what you can to, to get these numbers down. And then your chances of having college football greatly increase. That's uh, an interesting prospect about shoving things to the spring. I I don't know exactly how that would work, but there are those who are keeping that uh, wide open as an option. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff is is complicated, but I I guess I just identify with that mentality. What? 
keep it go, keep keep hope alive. Keep hope alive and just highlight flexibility. Do what we're got to do. You know, maybe some of it's clunky, maybe it's uncomfortable, but there's so much on the line as as we talked about that it, you know if it can be done, do it. And if it can't, it can't. But I, I like the attitude of. You know, we're we're gonna set our minds to this. We've we've done a lot of things in this great country. We can do this, right? You know, we land a man on the moon. Let's figure this thing out. I just like that attitude. And you know what? If if he turns out to be wrong, then then so be it. I just like the way he put that. I wonder if it does come to to football in the spring, what that would look like. It'd be shorter, I bet. Don't you think? How much shorter? I don't know, maybe you do 10 games. Maybe you do conference only, eight, nine games. One thing that came through loud and clear when Mark Harlan was talking about it the other day is that preparation for the season is absolutely necessary. And he put it at about, if I'm, I don't want to mischaracterize uh, what he said, but I think he said at least four weeks. So if you push it to the spring, now you're practicing and – in uh, January or February, and uh, or let's say you practice in January, and you're ready to go by middle of February. Now you got half of February, March, maybe April. So that's two and a half months, right? So how much can you get done in that time? Some schools end their semesters end at third week of April. And maybe maybe you would keep playing even after uh, school's out because you're not so much playing for a packed stadium. That's for sure. Um. Well, maybe I mean maybe you start the preparation earlier. You know, maybe you start the preparation in the, in, the, in the fall semester. Uh, yeah, in in December. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's tough because a lot of schools are sending everybody home after Thanksgiving, right? So it would have to be some sort of special. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's certainly a lot of red tape that that is going to go into pulling anything off. There's there's no doubt about it. But it seems uh, to me that it'll be hard to bridge it over the over the Christmas break, um, especially given the idea of who knows what else is going to be going on over that period of time as far as health is concerned. Well, well, actually, think about it this way: it's not like football players get Christmas break anyway. Well, that's true. Well, the ones involved in bowl games. Right. No, that's who I'm thinking of, uh, of course. And, I, I mean, a lot of those bowl games are right around Christmas or after, so it's not like they're going home over Christmas break anyway when school's not in session. So Most of the bowl games are – well, let's see. When are – I haven't looked at the schedule recently, but, yeah, a lot of the bowl games are after Christmas. The vast you know? majority. There's only a yeah. couple that are before Christmas. So, so they're doing that anyway. Maybe, I mean, maybe you move up the prep time. I, I think the preparation is probably the easiest thing to pull off. You know, you're just in camp. That's that's a lot less to control. You got You would have to be practicing heavy through finals periods, and uh, I know that uh, some teams really put a lot of emphasis on their practices leading up to the bowl game, and some don't so much. But uh, you'd be in the heart of it straight through that period of time. Hmm. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, maybe it does, but let, let's hope it uh, let's hope it doesn't. 
the SEC and the Big 12 seem like they're uh, just fine waiting a couple of more weeks. The SEC said they probably wouldn't make a decision till the end of July. As we discussed yesterday, I mean, that, that line is coming. Uh, the Big Big Ten, you know, already, and Pac-12 already making their decisions. But Why do you think the Big Ten jumped ahead like that? Because I don't know. Everybody we've talked to said they were surprised by that. Okay, I know you don't agree with this this opinion necessarily, but I think it has a lot of lot to do with they're using it as an excuse to cancel non-conference games because those they're they're not going to have fans in the stands to be able to cover that nut. But some of those games are big big TV games. Those aren't the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, it's you know, and and that's maybe one non-conference game uh, out of the the schedule of the teams that we're talking about. So most of the time, none. I mean, look well, at how, Utah's how, non-conference how is, the last few how, years. Yeah, how is USC feeling about losing Notre Dame and losing uh, Alabama? They're they're probably not all that pleased uh, uh, about it, Gordon. But I bet you Washington is real pleased not to have to give Utah State one point five million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's who I'm talking about. I'm yeah. not talking about the one or two marquee games that sell independently. I'm talking about giving other universities substantial amounts of money to come in and play. And when there's not a, a whole revenue source to cover that bill, it becomes more painful, right? What kind of TV money is involved in a Utah BYU game? It's just uh, it's just the home team's TV deal. That's how all this. That's how all this works. They're not really well, sold uh, independently unless it's a neutral site game. That's sold independently. I think Mark Carlin said it was about five million. If you average it out, but I don't know. Do uh, they work at piecemeal like that? Yeah. Like one Utah home game is not necessarily worth more than the other, even though it is right. The more interesting matchup is not necessarily that way in the contract. Hmm. All right. So well, I, I, I think that the Pac-12, because because the people and maybe we get into this a little a little bit later, the, the people that bring up the fact that like, hey, and you're among them, Gordon, you're, you're one of the people who's brought this up, who say, hey, it's a lot safer if we're talking about safety. It's a lot safer for Utah to play BYU than it is Utah to play Arizona State. So there's got to be another motive on top of safety. And I got the flexibility explanation. I heard it. And I, I think mm-hmm. that that's there. But I think that there's some other stuff, too. That they don't want to get stuck with the bill of playing these games if they don't have the revenue to pay it. They don't have the cash. Well, Jake, I have been uh, rather uh, loud in my concern over playing college football this fall. But in the Not Sports Report, I have good news. Stop it. We're going to get good news in the Not Sports Report? I have Really good news. Sounds like a trap. Yeah, are you blindsiding us? Because that's I that's going to be really upsetting. Shush your mouth. Whoa. Jeez. Now you're, we're going to hold you to this good news standard, Gordon. All right. So that's no 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 blindsiding us with with rowers that get lost at sea. No. Okay. Good. All right. None of that. No donkeys being eaten by alligators. Nothing. This is this is pure and simple good news. I don't know how simple it is, but it's definitely optimistic good look terrific all right uh we'll get to that coming up next bowler at the top of the five o'clock hour stay tuned uh time for another back to basketball update Ow! 
Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, boy. Back to basketball update brought to you by Zions Bank. Let's start off by hearing from Lakers forward Anthony Davis talking about why he won't have a social a social justice phrase on, a phrase on his jersey. Excuse me. I think the, the name Davis is something that I try to represent every time I step on the floor. You know, my family. And I, I was kind of torn between the two. I didn't know what to decide. Now, should I go with a social justice message or should I have my last name? And I just think my last name is something that is very important to me. Also, social justice as well. But just holding my family name and represent the name on the back to go through this process and a name and people who've been with me through my entire career to help me get to this point. News on the Jazz front, actually on the Stars front, uh, Martin Schiller, the reigning G League Coach of the Year, uh, spent has spent the past three seasons with the Salt Lake City Stars. He is leaving the organization. He's going to take a head coaching job with the pro team in Lithuania. There's your back-to-basketball update brought to you by Zions Bank for a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I hate camping. You could use a little dose of the outdoors. Camping blows. It's dirty, and I don't like sleeping on rocks. Bring some Ambien. You'll sleep like a baby. There's always a guy with the acoustic guitar that doesn't quite know how to play it. Kumbaya. Wait, I know it. Kumbaya. You know, Kumbaya. Wait, I know it. Kumbaya, my lord. Oh, no, wait. Oh, yeah, I got it. Kumbaya. This is it. Kumbaya. Hey, who requested this? Worst total request Tuesday of all time. But this you know, is I, funny. But I haven't seen that. Movie. Jeff Hansen. That's the the kumbaya scene from Role Models. Okay. I, uh, I granted, I, I just haven't seen that movie. You have Gordon. Is it good? It was okay. I I uh, I thought it was all right. But you you don't like Just Friends, right, Gordon? The Ryan no, Reynolds. So this I it's not really his thing. The, I thought it was one of the dumbest movies I ever saw. Yeah. Because I don't like dumb humor, that's all. Okay. Some people really think. Wait, that's you funny. do like dumb humor? Like you're a big fan of the Naked Gun? That's the dumbest humor there is. Oh uh, yeah, but it's not. It's clever. It, it's the, it's the, pretty the, dumb. This just friends thing was just people acting stupid. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's exactly what the Naked Gun. <laughs> No, no, it's different because it's more of a parody. This is just people acting stupid. All right, all right. You had good news for us. Oh, yeah, it's time for the uh, the Not Sports Report. <laughs> Thank you, Austin, for keeping us on task. Uh, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Where are we going today, Gordo? Well, first of all, we mentioned earlier the thing about uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Today is the 34th birthday of uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Is it because there was a uh, there was some debate about that? Some say it's the yeah. 17th. Because there's well, no way it's been around 34 years. It, yeah, it has been. No, it no. hasn't. Because I'm 35, right. and it came out when I was in junior high. Well, that's what the report said. Incorrect. Said it was created uh, July fourteenth, nineteen eighty six. No, I think that's his fake birthday in the show. Was that day? Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, either way, happy birthday, SpongeBob. 
All right, here's the good uh, two things. One well, is, is that the good uh, news or no, no. Oh, uh, this is slightly sports related, but did you see the video of Shaquille O'Neal stopping on a Florida interstate to help a woman change her t- who had a flat tire? Hey, you know what? After you pointed it out to me, Gordon, I did. I I checked that out. That's a that's a great story. You know, the best part of watching that is that Shaq pulls over, gets out of his car, and as he's walking up to the the people with a flat tire, a police officer pulls over. And isn't Shaq a, like a, some sort of deputy or something? He was. Uh, oh yeah, I think I remember something like that. Yeah. So Shaq is walking over, and then he sees the police officer pull over. So he stands there and waits for the police officer to get out of his his cruiser and walk over to him. And when he walks over, he says something to the police officer along the lines like, "Yeah, I saw these people. They they got a flat, and uh, I'm here to help or whatever." And and the police officer stops. Looks at him for one second and keeps walking forward. Doesn't make a big deal. He's talking to Shaquille freaking O'Neal. And he's just, all he says is, oh, man, thanks. Thanks for helping. Thanks for stopping to help. And it shows him walking over to help the uh, the people with the flat tire. I I, I love stories like that. Yeah, I that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Donovan anyway, Mitchell here, had one of those this season. Remember when he, he witnessed an accident and, and stopped and went to help? Yeah. So here's the really good news. This is from the Associated Press. The first COVID-19 vaccine tested in the U.S. revved up people's immune systems just the way scientists had hoped, researchers reported Tuesday, as the shots are poised to begin key final testing. Quote from Dr. Anthony Fauci, no matter how you slice this, this is good news. Apparently, they've they they have been giving a certain group of people this particular vaccine, and it is working. It is doing exactly what they had hoped it would do, and so now it is moving forward in the final phase, utilizing a test of thirty thousand people to prove if the shots really are strong enough to protect against the coronavirus. So this is, I guess they used up to this point, they used 45 volunteers back all the way back to March. And the vaccine is working. You know what that story makes me want to play? Yeah, good news. We did it. Hopefully. Can I uh, can I ask a really dumb question that I certainly could look into if uh, if if I really wanted to? But I wonder about these uh, these control studies, Gordon. Do uh-huh. they 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 give some the 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 vaccine and some not? Right, that's kind of the purpose of the thing. Then do they just go about their business, or do they put them in some random room and pump COVID in there? No, I don't know if they do that, but I think they check their what what's going on in their bloodstream. Because that would stink to not to be in the control group and and be the one exposed to it. No, I, th- I think is, you just go. This about is your what day. they did. Uh, the 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 earliest volunteers uh, they developed what are called neutralizing antibodies in their blood. Those are molecules key to blocking the coronavirus. All right. And the levels are comparable to the people that the, the uh, levels found in people who survive COVID nineteen. All right. Well, there you go. And that is the, good news. the the uh, 
the research uh, was in the New England Journal of Medicine, quote, this is an essential building block that is needed to move forward with the trials that could actually determine whether the vaccine does protect against infection. It's looking good right now for this particular uh, this particular track, and apparently there are other ones out there that are uh, parallel to it. So we'll see how it goes, but it's looking good so far, thank goodness. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt, out to help uh, uh, our listeners with a, a completely other type of problem, but, uh, it, you know, important nonetheless, right, Andrew? Yes, it is important. Um, intimacy issues or problems in the bedroom with erectile dysfunction is a serious subject. And I've seen relationships really get affected by this. I, you know, I don't want to say ruined relationships. Maybe there are some, but, but some that are affected, and it affects both the man and his significant other. Now, we have a treatment that is, I think, breakthrough is a good word for it because it's different than the pills. It's called acoustic wave. We use the most advanced form, and we've probably done more than anybody in the country. Uh, we've gotten so good at opening up, regrowing blood vessels. That's a process called neovascularization. The FDA has cleared this technology, and we're now seeing guys get over the erectile dysfunction. And here are the key things to remember. No pills, no injections, no surgery. It's non-invasive, and the typical guy goes through a few treatments over a few weeks. So this is game-changing stuff. And, guys, if you're out there struggling and feeling like it's not going so hot in the bedroom, this can be a great alternative to the pills. 801-901-8000. And you say alternative, Andrew, but, uh, you know, it's more than that because you get back to normal, right? You get out of that pill routine. You do. You get back to normal. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen groundbreaking things over the years, LASIK eye surgery for eyes and things for, you know, internally in the body, um, surgeries, different types that have changed the course of medicine. And even though this isn't a surgery, I kind of consider this, you know, a, a, a change, a fork in the road. We're going away from treating symptoms. We're going to treating the root cause of the problem and getting that normal spontaneity back in the bedroom. 801-901-8000, and folks can come in for free, right, and get checked out by the doc? There's a lot for free right now. This is easily a few hundred dollars in value. Call us now. We'll do the initial assessment, exam. We'll even do the blood flow ultrasound. That's with our medical doctor. Totally free, plus a special gift. You're going to love this. It's kind of a recreational booster, I call it. Produces instant results in the bedroom, and that is free as well. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call right now, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Bowler joins the show next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.